relationships, no matter what they are, personal relationships, general, whatever, are about skill, not goodwill. Everybody has goodwill. That's perfect. That's good. But they don't necessarily have the skill. Yeah. And then sometimes even the quietness of somebody who doesn't have the words. Silence is also a language. It starts right here, deep in your heart. Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger bring over 90 years of clinical experience to this important podcast, and they offer you a guarantee. You will gain something of personal value from each episode. And now, what matters most. It starts right Hi, I'm Tom Rutledge. Welcome back to Start Right Here. I'm uh, glad to be back here in the new year, 2021, with my uh, good good pal and uh, co-host and partner in crime, uh, the good Dr. Alan Berger. And uh, we have a wonderful guest today that we've been really looking forward to having. And, and I'm going to let Alan tell you a little bit more about her. And we, you'll probably you'll probably know more about how we'll, both of us feel about Mary but than you ever wanted to know by the end of this uh, by the end of this uh, broadcast here. But but uh, Alan, how are you doing? Well, happy New Year! Happy Happy, happy New Year! Twenty goodbye, twenty twenty. Hello, twenty twenty one. Learn from the past. Get the hell out of there. That's it. There's a lot to learn from that past. God, absolutely. A lot to learn. And uh, I'm excited about this year. I'm excited about the changes that are going to be taking it that, you know, in in our society and in our political system. I'm very excited about new possibilities and stuff like that and see how this experiment proceeds at this point in time, but also excited about, you know, the rhythm that we have in our podcast, Tom, and I think we've put in a, had a lot of great shows in 2020, and I'm looking to a lot of better shows in 2021, and I couldn't think of a better way to start this year than to have our guest here today. And uh, Mary Gordon, I'm going to let Mary tell you mostly about herself, but Mary and I met, God, probably 20, 25 years ago when you were the director of the family program over right. at, at that point, the Betty Ford Center before Hazleton uh, acquired the Betty Ford Center and they merged. And, right. um, you know, what the, one of the great things that I saw that was happening at the Betty Ford Center was from the beginning, the commitment to getting the family involved. Yeah. And you just did a fantastic job, Mary. I mean, families that went through treatment with you and worked with you and the staff and you had a great staff. I mean, they, they just got so much value out of the experience they had. And you just were tremendous. You did a great job. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. It and then our relationship continued on. We've, we were, we've started, had a few, uh, misstarts that one program we were trying to get off the ground with that startup that didn't happen and then you know Tom and I and the Thursday night meetings and you make such an as I was saying before we 
came on the air. What a great contribution you make on Thursday nights at the uh, Emotional Society mm-hmm. meeting. So it's just great to have you as our first guest. But tell everybody about you a little bit more, what you're doing right now, things you're excited about in your life, and then we'll jump into 2021. And okay. well, First of all, Happy New Year to everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad that we're all here. We showed up for 2021. So yes. far, so far. Yeah, so far, so good <laughs> today. And yep. thank you for um, having me on with you guys. I, I feel that's a privilege because I learn a lot mm-hmm. from the two of you. But, you know, just I've been in the field over three decades and, uh, you know, got sober back in Maine and also continued to work in the field, even though my background was I was a music educator. And then um, I also was ma- I managed a company for a while, which is like a whole other story I'm not going to go into. But then um, cross country in 1999, moved to California to work at the Betty Ford Center. And my friends in Maine said to me when I got the job, well, first of all, you know, we always feel like, will they find out about me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And now I, I turn that around and say, well, you know, all the good things that we find out about ourselves and recovery and growth and all of that. But, um, and so, yeah, my work at the Betty Ford Center didn't start right with the director of family program. I worked in the outpatient program for a while and then marketer for a while on mm-hmm. the road, traveling all over right. and did presentations with the likes of Dr. Garrett O'Connor. Oh, my. And who, who. I have some funny stories about sometime when we have a, but anyway, I had. Well, he was a duel though. What a oh, gift my God. Garrett was. I mean, his sense of humor. Oh my God. He, know, was... he really, to me, was the preeminent addiction psychiatrist. Oh, totally, totally. So that was, you know, one of those little gifts I got, one of the many gifts I got from working there. And then of course, Dr. James West, who you, you knew also, who wrote the book on, you know, all you need to know about alcoholism and, and uh, I include that on my website because he's so dear. And just a little quip from him when I was working an outpatient and we were all kind of clamored together about this one patient who just couldn't get it and was angry all the time. And we just said, you know, this guy's angry all the time. <laughs> Dr. West in his calm doctor voice said, well, of course he's angry. He's an alcoholic. And as soon as he said that, it sort of leveled the playing field, you know? Yes. Like we weren't like, where were we anyway? Right. Above, above it all or something, you know, it just, anyway, he was a treasure. Mm-hmm. So then working in the family program over the years, I had that privilege. I had a fantastic staff, even when there was a changeover, I had smarter people working for me than me. And that was, and they were smarter in different ways, the, you know, creative in different ways. And, uh, the way one of the things that I treasured about it also was we we had this opening circle and we had this closing circle. We had a whole week with them, which was the gold standard at the time, in which Mrs. Ford and Susan Ford just really, I mean, they started this back way before me, of course, and they had other people doing doing the job. But um, they wanted to always have it include the family and they wanted to because of course, Mrs. Ford's intervention was a family intervention. And so one of the stories I would often tell the families was Mrs. Ford would go up front to tell her story to all the patients. Everybody had their big book and she would tell the story of how she got into recovery because her family did an intervention. 
and then she'd do the whole thing. And she one day was my my job to bring her water and introduce her. After her talk and everything, she walked up the aisle with me and she said, did I do okay? And I thought to myself, this is the woman that owns the Mrs. Ford, you know, but that's the humility that she brought to the whole. So anyway, our, our family program, every once in a while, she would drop in or Susan Ford would drop in and either talk to the family or be in a circle with them. And that was a privilege. And then you also, Alan, I remember when you came to talk about emotional sobriety and to help to train my staff with the gestalt here and now. Yeah. And I, I used that immediately after you left. I thought, we're, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> I was one of those, you right. know, let's grab onto this right now. And they well, that's, how we, that's how we did training back then. As soon as somebody would show us something, we'd go like, okay, that's what I'm doing now. Exactly and then we would just do that for a while. Exactly. <laughs> That's how we learned. That's exactly it. You know, there was balking. There was people. And, you know, and I didn't know but because I was learning, too. But that's that's what I think is the treasure of working in this field. We're all we, we stop learning. Then we're really not any good to our, our clients or our patients or whoever. So anyway, I've been at it for a while. And then I, I, I stayed on uh, after I retired in 2015. I stayed for another four years doing lectures over there mm -hmm. uh, at least at least once or twice a month and it, that was a lot of fun because I no longer had the position you know the position right. and so I had a lot I had a lot more fun I don't know there was something that lifted off me I didn't and then after four years they they wanted to do everything internally which was fine and and so that was the end of my you know tenure there as a mm -hmm. visiting lecturer. And so then I uh, founded uh, Inner, um, Inner Direction Recovery. But uh, it started with the Woman I Am Renewal Retreats for Women, which uh, I, we, we did in the Valley here, Coachella Valley, we did in LA. And then my daughter and I joined together and, and provided a three-day Woman I Am Retreat in Canada. Wow. So, so that sort of started the ball rolling. And then we got the Inner Direction website up and started to provide services. You know, well, so Tell us what happens in those retreats that you get. Oh, oh, my gosh. We have so much fun. They're limited to about 12 women. And the women don't have to be in recovery from alcoholism. They could be in mental health recovery. They could be somebody going through a transition. We've had people who are cancer patients who recovered from cancer. So... And they come together to experience a feminine perspective of being together as women. So we did drumming, we did musical things. We did what I call edutherapy where we had a circle and we had uh, the talking sticks circle. And um, so, and then we ate together, we broke bread together and then there'd be a closing. And I mean, it was just powerful because they brought to the table all of their particular perspectives. And I was there to keep, you know, I was the facilitator to keep it safe. And also to invite people to take some risks because, you know, when it comes to drumming and dance, some people are very, you know, they're inhibited in that particular place. And I always talk about the body. We store things in the body. And I'm telling you, some of the women would just weep after they would move and dance together. No words, you know, just moving and dancing together. So it's a powerful experience and each one is different. 
So those, those, yeah, those, we, and we've all had those experiences doing the facilitation thing of it's, I mean, it definitely is the, it, it is the, the perfect example of the whole being greater than the sum of the parts. Right. And, and, and anybody who thinks, you know, what's going to happen when you gather people together for the purpose of healing, it's like, it's always a surprise. It is. It is. It's, totally. it's like, I, I would, Oh, that would be amazing to me. I love that you and your daughter do that together. Yeah. Well, she, and you know, she prepared all this. She likes to be kind of in the background, like, but she's like my like angel or shadow in the background. And then mm -hmm. she'll say, no, mom, that won't work. <laughs> or this, you know, so it's a beautiful thing. And, but the other thing, I like what you said, Tom, because, and you've experienced it too. I'm sure Alan, over the times mm -hmm. you've experienced retreats, but it's the whole, there's what we plan. And then there's how it bubbles up and what happens. Yeah. And what I'm really, really cognizant of when we're doing those retreats is that women, women's voices have not been heard or honored for various reasons over centuries. But certainly in recovery, I think it's important. Again, recovery from anything yeah, that their voices need to be heard. So there were some people in there that had some things where they would step back and say, I don't want to participate in this. They set their own boundary. Mm -hmm. So no one was required to do something that felt uncomfortable. But what I noticed, and I'm sure, again, you two are well aware of this, is when you give permission to people, or not even permission, when you allow that evolving of people saying no to a bound or they don't want to participate, mm -hmm. somehow that gives them permission to participate. Right. Yeah, uh, they give them that's the, the, well. They don't know that they have the power to per, give themselves permission, that's and, and that's and that's what's happening. We're giving ourselves the power, but but it's when we don't. Yeah, where we don't, we're not there to to tell people what they have to do. It's exactly. it's, it's 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 the simple. It's always been the simplest thing to me. But it's like when you listen to other people talk about this, it's like you know, in the name of being a, a tough love therapist or something like that, you hear people tell stories about, you know, where they really felt like they were pu pushed into stuff. And I know I've done that in my earlier years when I was trying to figure out how to do this. Right. It's like, you know, and people do wonderful stuff with it anyway, but it's like, it's so cool when you realize just to let people be and, and, you know, and, and when you don't have to, you, you will. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, what we're talking about has such a great application to life, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. outside of the therapy room it's just oh god yeah the more the more supposed to's i have the more agenda i have about how things are supposed to look the less i can show up to what is happening yeah and the more i'm going to miss incredible opportunities in my life that being more present to whatever is unfolding is going to afford me so yeah. you know what 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 we really capture in therapy is just such a a powerful way of living our lives is to you know, and that's what we're finding in that emotional sobriety meeting on Thursday nights. Right. All those supposed to's, all those expectations, all those idea how things should be, right, interfere with us coping with what is. And you know, I want to mention this because what is, and also I've, and you're in the books that I've read uh, from you, both of you, is that self-respect piece in there. And you've mentioned it several times in your books about self-respect, Tom. And I think that's important for us as facilitators or us as human beings, just respecting ourselves and our journey. And one particular real quick story about that, when I was back in Maine, I had several different jobs before I 
got my master's degree and was working in the field was I was uh, working at a domestic violence shelter. I was the sort of the manager of this shelter and I was called out to pick up this woman. This was cold winters, a lot of snow in Maine. I had my four wheel drive Subaru to pick up this woman. And remember I had uh, years before been a music teacher in the schools. So I go out to pick her up and the police were supposed to follow behind me. And so I pulled in my Subaru all proud that I got there, you know, with a four wheel drive Subaru. And I'm waiting for her to come out of this little kind of cabin area, kind of rural, real wilderness kind of place. So all of a sudden, this guy comes right next to the my window, great big strapping guy. And I thought, oh no, <laughs> who's this? Well, it was her boyfriend and oh I was gosh. supposed to pick her up. So I rolled down the window a little bit and he looked in and he said, oh, Mrs. Mick, McGillicuddy was my name at the time. <laughs> Miss Mick, you were my music teacher. And I said, yes, I was. Richard, and I'm here to pick up your girlfriend now. Oh, he says, oh, I'll go get her. <laughs> I didn't say what for or anything, but it was that whole thing. Wow. You respect <laughs> the, the, the process that he had, which was he recognized me and it was like saved me <laughs> from his possible wrath. You saw him pulling no. you out of the car, didn't you, Marion? Kind of yeah, that's right. with you. That's right. <laughs> Self-respect, but respect for him too, you know. And, Absolutely. His, and I remembered his name, which was a sort of a, I was younger then. I can see it in his face. Patrick wants to say something. Okay. Oh, no, no, I just, uh, I've, I've really been uh, enjoying uh, the conversation so far. And I just wanted to say, uh, I think it's important that you create that space for women to be with each other. Um, you know, my girlfriend's in recovery and, uh, you know, in, in the early days uh, and still sometimes today, uh, she didn't feel safe, you know, unless she can be in a meeting just with other women. And yeah. And then I remember, you know, uh, she has some domestic violence in her past and, you know, that was, uh, you know, she's actually a domestic violence advocate. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, so anyway, I just, uh, to the extent you can speak about that or some of your experiences uh, could be really illuminating, I think. Oh, thank you, Patrick. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. It is so important. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, what you said too, Mary, about how, when I claim the right to say what I want, like, I don't want to do that, or I want to do that. That's where safety comes in. Right. When I, instead of waiting for somebody else to give me permission to do that, when I participate in setting those kinds of boundaries in my life is when I start to feel safe rather than trying to regulate everybody else and get them to do what I want them to do to feel safe. Yeah, right. When I say what I want or what I don't want, when I stand for what's, you know, I'll, you know, I don't want to try that right now. And like you said, it's so important to create that room for people to say no. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, as far as a movement for that, one of the things that we did in the retreats each time is we would form two lines where a woman would be, uh, she would name herself and name other, maybe some of her ancestors or women who supported her in her life. And our job was just to witness her moving down the, through the two, two lines in a, in a kind of a sacred way, you know, with drum beats in the background or, or some form of music. 
But that was always just to watch people, watch these women get in their own bodies, be comfortable in their body and walk through that with other women and be honored. It's like, and we did that over at Betty Ford with uh, women who had been abused and Dr. Nancy Wade O'Brien was my supervisor at the time. And she would always work with the women who had sexual abuse, physical abuse, other kinds of abuses. She would always call me in to do the movement part with the, with the women. She would do the educational pieces and the psychotherapy pieces. And then I would come in and do movement with them. So it, it's like a, the combination of the word and the an analysis and the movement, body, mind, and spirit, you know? Yeah. You know, one of the things this this is, I haven't, I, I've done, I'm, I'm a ma massive in, introvert. You guys, have, we've talked about that before. 2020 staying away from other people has been no problem for me whatsoever. It's like, I have, I have thoroughly, it's good. It's thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed just the, the, the being at home more and moving in and out and still getting, and I love the connection with the people. I love doing the work on online and, and, uh, and the connection, but it's like, um, you know, one of the things I realize I miss as you're talking about this is, and I, and I, I think I was born a group therapist. I, I don't think I, I never meant to be a therapist, but it's like, I think I've always been a group therapist because before I even got into graduate school, before I ever got sober, I was, I was, you know, a, a, dis, a disciple of, of Irv Yalom and group psychotherapy. And, and I was just pouring through that stuff. And it's like, I love that. And then that evolved ultimately with all these other things we learned into these retreat settings and doing all that stuff. Stuff. And I'm realizing as we're talking that I miss that that I really miss from this this year. It's like of do, do, from doing retreat to doing retreats like that, where you can be in that same room. And specifically, what's making me think that is is I look forward to an opportunity. I hope that that we'll have because I've heard you talk about your music. I've talked you talk about your your movement therapy and stuff. I can, I would love to be in a workshop where you're doing your thing, and and, and get to experience that. Uh, with you that would be so cool and is and i love anything that brings our bodies into it because okay. and i and it's not because i have mastery over that because i have been uh, the, one of the most self-conscious human beings on the planet since i since i hit adolescence and and you know still work on that today mm -hmm. but um but i but but i have learned to take chances and 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 they always pay off it's like it'd be, you know especially when i'm in safe places with people i trust so yeah. I, you know, I can't yeah. wait to I can't wait to see more and feel more and be do more with that with you. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of men in movement, um, one of the things that and this is uh, Dr. Garrett O'Connor was included in this. We both went to British Columbia and we're at that great big hotel up there, which I forgot the name of right now, to a lawyer's assistance program conference. Mm -hmm. And my job was to present about the difference between men and women in treatment, and it was so. It was so ba looking back at it now, you know, I thought, oh my God, it was like a flip chart instead of, you know, what we're doing now with oh, science yeah. and all that. And I had it and it was a big group of men. It was mostly men. It was a lawyer's mm -hmm. assistance program. And then at the end of it, I closed with music and I did a movement where I included them in the movement by moving around the room and everything. And I had mm -hmm. chosen Sarah McLaughlin and I didn't know she was Canadian. I just chose this big piece mm -hmm. of music, you know, and it was, uh, will you remember me? I will remember you or something like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so afterwards, these lawyers came up to me and said, oh, thank you for playing Sarah McLaughlin from Canada. 
And I thought, I didn't even know she was from Canada. You're welcome. And then I know, and I did. And then Dr. <laughs> Dr. O'Connor comes up to me and says, oh, you're such a show off. <laughs> and it was just, it was so delightful to hear him <laughs> say that. You know, sometimes you take offense. I didn't take offense to him because <laughs> I knew him well and I loved him and he was brilliant. And he also was Irish, right from <laughs> Ireland. And and he had that brogue. So I, I, you know, I just feel like anybody who works in this field. I had a, I have a Garrett O'Connor story. So I okay. was, I was presenting okay. with Garrett one day. Okay. The IDAA, International oh, yes. Alcoholics okay. Anonymous. He was big on that. And I think it had a lot to do with uh, the inception of that program. We definitely supported it. Loved it. I thought right. it was a great place for docs to come. So I remember this presentation he's given and, um, in the beginning of it, he shows this warm and fuzzy film where everybody's talking about love and supporting <laughs> one another. And, and, and only the way Garrett could do this. I mean, he gets the room just so open and yes. <laughs> vulnerable, right? And at the end of the film, he goes, that is so much crap. <laughs> he, goes, he goes look there's nothing wrong with that side but let's own the other side of it every one of you are a goddamn hitler or he was he hated the prime minister of england oh yeah okay yeah right what was her name i'm blocking her name right now oh he could not thatcher yes oh my god he could not stand margaret and he, i mean he put margaret thatcher up on the on the board with hitler i mean oh. that's, that's i mean how much he hated margaret thatcher and he says you know this this love and crap is great but you know oh and that's what he did in the beginning of class he says i want to see the hands of all the guys that have been to a massage parlor right so these are all medical doctors right so in the group about maybe 10 percent of the group raised their hand yeah. says, and look you guys 10 percent of you raise your hand you're liars <laughs> you know, probably 60 70 percent of you you've been to massage parlor since you've been in, in in sobriety and you're not owning it because what everybody does nobody wants to deal with that other side the shadow side of them everybody yeah. wants to talk about love that's right. and, and, that's right. you got to own both sides oh you got and he was big into that and i'll yeah, tell you he was. and then at the end he says all right now if you've Oh, that's what it was. It wasn't just massage. He says, if you've abused your partner verbally yeah. or, you know, and all this other stuff. And then, yeah. he says, and then at the end, he says, now raise your hands again. 90% of the room had their hands up. That's yeah. right. In terms that's of right. owning it and stuff like that. I mean, that's who he was. And he, and he did it without shaming. It wasn't that he was, he was just saying that this is a side of us that we got to own. He, right, goes, right. he goes, I hate to tell you, I got a Margaret Thatcher inside of me. Yeah, It yeah. killed him to say it. I mean, yeah. he yeah. goes, I got a Hitler inside of me. He goes, I understand that evil. That evil exists in me. And thank okay. God I've done the work where, I've got, where I'm dealing with it now. He says, but if you don't start to do that work, it's going to get you. Yes. That's, that's, it was so good. I mean, that's, that, I mean, you're land, you're landed on something that takes us into 20, 2021 here because uh, my, we're uh, pinballing stories, but I, I know a fella that I won't say his name because it's, it's, it won't, it won't look good for him, but it's like, uh, in my opinion, he, he does these, uh, re, does these retreats for, uh, and all these gatherings for these corporate uh, big cheese corporate guys. And they deal with, it's, it's all kind of a, 
part of the kind of came out of the men's movement that we've been involved in. You and I've talked about some, Alan, but it's like, but it's uh, all about these guys' woundedness and all. And, and it's like, and I and I get it. I we do all we do the, the longer version sometimes. Sure, they're wounded. But we're talking about privileged people, you know, you know, yeah. and I would I would be working at the facility sometimes and see these guys come in, you know, and they would, you know, they'd be sitting there smoking big cigars and, you know, da, 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 you know, and and, and I knew I knew their agenda and I knew his agenda and they were going to talk about the woundedness. And I just told him one time I said. And I said it sincerely. I said, listen, if you ever want somebody, and this actually fits into what we're getting ready to do with four step stuff too, I think, Alan, in, in the in the Thursday group, is like I said, if you ever if you ever want somebody to come in here and just spend like a couple of hours talking to these guys about how to how to how to basically be in touch with the asshole within them and how to learn how what assholeism recovery is because you know every we've all been assholes and you know i said i would love to come in and talk to them about about that stuff it's like uh i mean you could have you could have heard that drop on the ground when i said that to him it wasn't going to ha happen he was he was he was making his reputation on helping these people with their woundedness but that's the deal. That's, I mean, isn't that the thing that makes the difference between what's real and what's not real in this stuff is, and, and it's, it's not, I mean, some of the hardest work I've ever done. I mean, the hardest thing I have ever done ever, in my recovery was, I remember when Bedford Combs had me in this piece of work where I, I had to say to that inner child that I had accidentally just met. Uh, and, 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 I, and I had to, I had to say, I didn't have, I didn't have to, he said, say, I am the parent that you've always been waiting for. Yeah. So of course I didn't say that because my mouth wouldn't move uh, and my heart broke and I sat there for, I don't know how long. And then when I finally squeaked it out and I cried for 20 minutes in the fetal position, it was, I mean, it was the hardest thing in the world. And there's, and there's such a turning point for that. And that, so anyway, that's just to say, I, yeah, all of that is real. That is the most powerful thing, powerful metaphor that I've ever worked with in this stuff. But the other part of this getting on with this stuff is owning our shit. And, right. and, and, and getting that, look at that shadow side, look at this stuff and understand that, that, you know, uh, I love what Sheldon cop says in, in, uh, I think it was back to one, which, uh, um, every, I never heard him say it. So I've added the inflection in my mind, but it's, it was for everybody who's ever worried that your parents are in you relax. They are, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, and, and you think about the, the things that I hate about e each of my parents, you know, and I, I get the good stuff, but it, that, you know, those are my dark, that's my dark side. You know, yeah. I can be as shame filled as my dad. I can be as depressed and mean and bitchy and horrible as my mom. It's like, I, I've done it. It's like, and those are the things that make, and, and as we move forward, as we're polarized in our world, we have to learn how to get out of that polarization yes. and realize we all have to be able to look at our whole self. Right. Both sides. And you know, uh, that, that reminds me of, and I'm glad you said that because when we do the women's retreats, we, there's a song that we use and actually Eddie helped me with this it was something he had done where you, you honor the, like the genius in me loves the genius in you, the genius in me loves the genius in you so easy so easy easy to love then the asshole in me <laughs> loves the asshole so that's what we're talking about we have both sides and i'm going to tell you love women it. sometimes love have it. a hard time owning that yeah you know because we want to be nice we've been conditioned but then there are are people have women who have no trouble with that 
-hmm. but I always bring that up, the two sides, the shadow side and, and the other side too. And, and then, well, I wanted to say, oh. And then with, with you, they get to sing it. That's so cool. They get to sing it and <laughs> it almost like, oh, they, they're startled that they, <laughs> because they can do it with a partner, you know? And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I just said that. And it just, just, it just seems to be easier to own when you're singing it. <laughs> Just, oh, you're just, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't talk Milton Erickson, whatever you want to talk, but I mean, it's like, you're disrupting so much stuff in their head when, 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 you're, when you're doing this in song. I, I mean, I think sometimes I end up doing it because I, because I can, I laugh at so many things that other people don't laugh at. And it's, it's like, I think sometimes that just throws people off and it's, it's like, but when you, when you can get to those places where your, your brain is doing different things. Then, yeah. then, then you would, I mean, there's no way you, you ordinarily sing about your asshole within you it's like, <laughs> I, right. yeah, until you're there. Yeah. This may be a nice segue into, I think something that our country is going to be struggling with so much this year is how do we heal the incredible divisiveness yeah. that currently exists? And it's such a serious problem. I mean, yes. we've gotten, I mean, you know, we were polarized. I mean, I, you know, I grew up, I was born in 52. So I grew up through the 60s and 70s. And mm-hmm. I saw the the incredible polarization that occurred between, you know, the peace and love movement oh, yeah. and yeah. Vietnam War and the polarization around that. And, and, you know, they're challenging of a lot of that, that the power, the white power in the society. I mean, it really, that dialogue started, you know, Oh yeah. Think back in those days and stuff. And, you know, and I, you know, and I thought we had made some movement and, you know, to my, my ignorance was the, the not realizing how still polarized we are because, you know, I hang out with like-minded folks like you guys, right. Who are, you know, who are uh, much more in, in, you know, understand, you know, what we're like stuff we're talking about today mm-hmm. and all of that. But I think we've got an incredible challenge. Do you guys have any ideas about what we might do to start moving towards addressing that, you know, personally and then socially? And well, I think I think one of the things we got to do is what we're talking about here, which is it, you know, and, it, it, and it's something you know that I that I write about in in my therapy for politics stuff that's on my on my website. It's like it's. We have to practice the principles that we practice, and I don't mean just as addiction addicts recovering, but just as I like what I like the idea of what Mary's Mary's talking about from the beginning. It's like I thought about when you when you've talked about Mary being in charge of a family program, I've thought nobody better because because you know I just I just have this sense about you, Mary. That I mean, it's like like you don't distinguish. You know, it's like, you know, the idea that I have alcoholism, that person has, that person has an eating disorder. The other person is, is to have been traumatized by cancer treatments. You know, it's, it's like, and that's what emotional, that's what, that's one of the gifts I think, Alan, that you've, you've given me by helping me to focus on the emotional sobriety concept, because, because that's what, that's the, the, the big common denominator, but the most, you know, one of the most important common denominators in the whole recovery thing is, is always start on your side of the street. Yeah. And it's like, it's so easy. And, and what I've, you know, what I've struggled with is when people get to where they're, you know, where, where it, I, I, they're so different from me that I can't even identify. 
anything to you know to come close to agreeing about you know it's like and maybe not even respecting it becomes a real problem and it's like and i i just really you know this sounds sound corny but i listened to to joe biden and and kamala harris uh, talk the the night they accepted uh uh the nominations and it's it's like i really take this healing thing for uh, seriously yeah. And, and, and I want people, to, and I want people to know, I think it takes, we have to look at ourselves, how we, it's about communication. That's one thing. And the other thing is it doesn't mean it, people go like, oh, well, we, you know, we're going to let everybody off the hook. Healing doesn't mean letting other people off the hook. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's like, you know, if it, it's like, no, it means, it, it means, we, it means we're not just going to, to think that change is going to happen outside of ourselves. Right. It has to start with us. Right. Yeah. And, and what I want to add to that, Tom, is that, you know, the listening, I, I think the listening yes. is going to be important for us as listeners and uh, listening yes. to people that we probably ordinarily wouldn't, we maybe I personally might react yep. to mm-hmm. and react to and not in a, in a way that would be healing, but in a way that would be, don't you know, you're wrong, you know, mm-hmm. kind of way. Mm-hmm. So I think that the communication of uh, skills, but also the ability to be in, be quiet, be peaceful in, in ourselves and just, and that's emotional sobriety too, is just be saying, oh, okay, let me listen to this. Doesn't mean I'm not going to say something right. when they're finished from my point of view or how I, what I, how I would look at mm-hmm. healing. But I think that we just as a country need to listen to each other and what mm-hmm. are the deep seated prejudices that we all have or you know we call that sometimes the old ideas the old beliefs Um, who have we talked to lately that has a different opinion than us or has a different way of looking at it well the the best the best people that i've ever talked to about stuff like this always talk about first of all i'm a big believer that curiosity is the primary ingredient in respect you got you got to be interested not and that's opposite of assumption but but the other is people with people that that are smarter than me and wiser than me and communicate better than i do that that i kind of model for myself are people who basically can stay in that really curious interview mode, you know, with people as opposed with, with and yeah. kind of hold out because I mean, I, and I'm pretty, I've gotten pretty good at that, but it's, it's like, I'm very much aware of the guy on my committee who, who's ready to come in and, you know, he's over there making the notes and getting ready for it to make his counterpoints you know and it's like and it, and i gotta go you know that's fine he's there it's, it's like you go you go like you, no not it's not your turn we gotta we gotta listen and the people what i was gonna say before is i've heard people say so often listen for people's value systems it's like because the values are not that different right we we, we assign different we we have different representations for the values you know it's like you know but when somebody says oh they're taking you're taking our freedom away we I just want to go like oh no we're not we're doing you know you, you are so are not but that's not going to get it we have to listen tell me more about that right oh and i, I wanted to that say that is one of the things i do here and, and you know i'm uh, i'm much more on the left I, I wouldn't say i'm radical left but i'm definitely left and and um you know when i talk to some people that are on the right side is Things like, my God, they're so afraid of losing the democracy. 
I know. You know, it's you'll hear that theme come up. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, my God, you know, what's going on now seems like a threat to the democracy, right? Mm-hmm. Wanting to disenfranchise the votes of millions and millions of people, you know, just mm-hmm. to, to continue to keep one person in power. But they see it come. They don't see that for some reason mm-hmm. that doesn't end up on the radar for them. But the fact that we might go towards more of a socialistic society is going to somehow take away the democracy and their personal freedom. Same thing with mask wearing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it comes down to this thing. No one's going to tell me what to do. I have a personal freedom to not wear that mask. And anybody that tries to dictate that to me is taking away my individual rights but you know alan one of the things that, that and i'll say this briefly because i know that I know that, Al, uh, that patrick wanted to talk too it's like the the you and i've talked about how doing couples work and, and to me everything we need to do in communication is right there in our therapy room it's like that we look for the, I, I, you called it something else but i we, same thing i called it points of agreement you know we're going to find these points of agreement and so one of the points of agreement is when you're talking about people at very extreme ends is we both we, we, we both fear for loss of our freedom. We yeah. both fear for our loss of the democracy. We both, we both want certain, we want to be, we want to have freedom. We want to, we want to have choices. We want to, you know, feel safe. All those things. We have all that in common. And it's, it's like, that's a starting point for conversation. Right. Right. Patrick, what were you going to say? Oh yeah, no, thank you. Uh, I was going to say that across the spectrum, you know, I think everybody's material uh, well-being is going to be, you know, has been and will be, uh, you know, extremely adversely uh, affected in 2021. And so um, I think, you know, where therapy and, you know, mental health resources can come in is, you know, in the absence of that, like, uh, dearth of, uh, you know, maybe help isn't on the way, or it's going to be a little while before a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, they, can turn their heat on, they can get groceries, um, you know, they don't have to go out and work during a pandemic. But, um, you know, I, I think that emotional sobriety piece and the absence of that, of just trying to find some space of wellness within a kind of dire circumstance uh, could be a, a big help. You know, that's where I think, you know, the, the your guys' skill sets would come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, underlying everything is fear. Yeah. Doesn't matter who's. That's what I hear. It's just fear. I'm hearing there's a lot. And and uncertainty. And I mean, you know, I I think about this past year with the pandemic, of course, so much uncertainty. But even before that, we've always lived with uncertainty. Yeah. It's just that it brings it to a head. Well, we lose. Yeah. When when something bad happens, we lose the illusion of of certainty. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, I, when I was, when I was, I I finished embracing fear with my Harper Collins book right at the time it was in the final editing phase when nine 11 happened. Okay. So we were dealing with fear stuff. So one of the things we went back to the table and tried to decide, do we want to turn, do we need to now, you know, we lived in a different world. I, we had to change some things about the book. It's like, like, uh, and you know, and we decided ultimately, I'm still, I'm glad we didn't, that we didn't want to turn it into a post nine 11 book. It's about the fear of that, but we did need to put that. We did need to get that historically in, into the book that this is what was happening. And it's like, 
and, and, and but and that's what I ended up doing lots, lots of interviews on is just it's just about how everybody lived in that uncertainty and I you know and it's all it, you know I've seen it all come back I see it come up with things like the school school shootings we habituated to that unfortunately as a, as a population but uh, uh, I remember Katrina I worked with I worked with a lot of the folks who came up here from in Nashville from Katrina uh, uh, after all that you know, we, as human beings, we wake up in the midst of a catastrophe right. and we, the very best of us shows, you know, and then we go back to fucking sleep and the very worst of us emerges. It's like, it's, it's like, this is different. It's like all the same. I'm seeing the same stuff with the fear stuff that I, that I wrote about and put out there back in those days and see all that being as relevant as ever. But th- the fact that this has lasted so long and continues to last, and I think that's an important thing for all of us to say, people yeah. are still going on, put your mask on. Right. It's like, it's, it's just because help is on the way. Doesn't mean it's, it's safe, safe out there. Cause it's not, but, right. but I'm hoping that there's going to be something different that, that we've been in a process long enough to where there's going to be some things that have changed and that we really can work on helping. Well, first of all, ourselves and then other people to hold on to the lessons learned. You yeah. know, you know, I've been calling this the involuntary international COVID, you know, values clarification retreat. You know, I don't know what the acronym for that is, but, but it's, it's like, you know, but talk to people where people have, people learn and have been learning for this last year. And it's like, now we got to remember, now we got to not forget and right. remind each other. It's, yes. uh, it's so important. And, we, and it's really an opportunity. Right. And it, it's easy to forget. It's, well, it's, after, it's, nat- after, it's natural for us to forget. It is natural. Yeah. It's almost like, wait a minute. Uh, yeah. Didn't it just a few months ago, we have COVID and, and you ended up in the hospital. And, you know, that's the reminder that, yeah. at least personally that I do with my husband and, yeah. and that we know of other people w- with mm-hmm. COVID or who've had mm-hmm. COVID or mm-hmm. lost their life to COVID. And um, yeah, so we do have incredibly short memories. Well, it's, and it's important that when you said that though, it's, it's also important for us to, we're not, to not turn that into, uh, and this goes, this goes to recovery stuff. It's like, um, it's that's that's the that's human nature. We habituate to anything. The hum of the refrigerator. Right. Uh, we we used to have goats. We used to have goats out in our farm, and they would butt the back of the house with their horns when everybody was inside, and they didn't get to come in. And <laughs> but and that's fairly loud when you have two goats on the back porch butting the house. It's <laughs> like but Dee Dee and I habituated to that, so people would be over to see us, and they would go, "What's that?" And we'd go like, "What." you know yeah. and then we tune in and you, you hear this loud sound and it's like and so that's natural but one it's what i've been saying to a for aa forever is like we don't need better memories we just need a life full of reminders yes you know? and that's what we are to each other we're like each other's post-it notes right you know it's like i don't how when how often do we say something to be supportive about recovery that's a brand new original idea no, <laughs> no, listen, we just say it again. I, yeah. And listen, here and here's the other part of this, and it, it's kind of we we tapped into it earlier when we talked about is that you know there's a lot of things I see on the other side that just appall me. But when I step back, can I say, do I see any of those characteristics in my behavior at any time? In my right. Life? Yes. 
And, and the answer to that is yes, Tom knows. He's taking my inventory. So he's <laughs> I, I'm, I'm taking it now. I I, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's this thing that if, if, you know, the first person that hasn't committed to sin can throw the stone, right? And right, that's there's right. no one amongst us that can't that can throw that stone. I mean, so, look, you know, thank God my behavior, some of it hasn't been as egregious and hasn't hurt and damaged as many people as some of the behavior that we've seen. But have I hurt people I loved and cared about because of my self-centeredness? Mm-hmm. Answers, yeah. yes. Yeah. You know, has my narcissism showed up in my relationships and damaged some of them? Of course it has, you know, see, so that's the other part is my ignorance played, mm-hmm. you know, created wrecked havoc in my life. You know, have mm-hmm. I thought I was right at times when I was terribly wrong? Right. Well, yes. I mean, so, you know, that's the other side of this thing yeah. is that we've got to start just and, and what, like you said, Tom, that doesn't make it OK. Yeah, it just makes it understandable and maybe creates, you know, before you said about leveling things out, Mary. Right. Is it maybe it just creates a, you know, an experience or a leveling out in the relationship that that we don't have to talk about who's right or wrong. We could just try to understand, you know, what is important to one another and how, you know, there's some real big differences in terms of how we achieve some of these things. And, and, you know, I encourage people to take everybody's inventory because it's good practice for taking your own. It is. Really? It is. Yeah. Great event. I like it. Because we discouraged like all the time. Right I got it too, you know. Right. Right. No, that's a great way to say it, right? That's right. If you, and, you know, I, I wrote about this a lot in, in about projection is such a powerful mechanism is that the stuff in me that I don't want to look at, I'm going to definitely attribute to you. Yes. It's a great way of thinking about it is that I set that boundary way too much in my favor, right? In terms right. of having those you know, characteristics or attributes. And of course you have them, but I don't have them. And that's, <laughs> that's that holier than now, you know, crap that just polarizes a relationship and it makes it impossible for people to, to find that ground where, where they can start talking about this stuff beyond right and wrong. And, and you know, the other thing about that too, uh, you know, instead of polarizing sometimes when, uh, whether it's couples or groups, People are taking each other's inventory. And then there's a moment of like awareness. And then there can be laughter, which is healing. It's like, oh, yep, yep. there I go again. You know, it, it, it's that self-awareness. And yep. you talk about self-respect, Tom. And it's mm-hmm. and you and and you're always talking about the possibilities, Alan, and you know, turning away from and turning to all the things that help us in our growth. I mean, I think laughter is one of the things that really is, you know, the ability to laugh at oneself is growth. Well, humor, humor is true. Humor is about perspective. Yes. I mean, if you think about that, what what do the best comedians do? They just describe things that we all are familiar with. And (laughs) and, and when we go like, oh, man, you know, that happened to me just yesterday. But Mm -hmm. but but I can't remember which one of you just said this, but this is exactly so I just love the genius in both of you. And I should have sung that. I realize now. But it's um, it's. 
I think I like the idea of us. I, I like the idea of the, the four of us sitting here right now in, in, in our, on, on this podcast. This may sound like this is going to be arrogant, but I don't mean it that way because I think every, lots and lots of people need to be doing this. We need to think about what, what are the kinds of conversations we might be able to have that can be healing. Now, it's not going to it's going to happen slowly. It's going to happen gradually. It's not going to happen all at once. Yeah, I always I want to fix it, you know, but that's I also know my fix it guy has to stay on the sidelines most of the time because he usually makes things worse. Right. Uh, but the, but one of these, one of you said something about the idea we need to have conversations in which th that are that are very strictly not about agreement or disagreement. We need to find things to just to talk about. I mean, hell, I mean, if we if, if we had to on a, on a on the fly just come up with a program, you know, we would say, okay, well, let's give us give us some people from both ends of the spectrum, and we're gonna we're gonna make some real serious rules here, and there's just gonna be rules about what we're not what what topics we can't we, you can't talk about, yeah. and we're and we're gonna just go in there and we're gonna have conversations and we're gonna get these people to know each other as yeah. human beings. Yes, it's like and then. And, and that's it. If that's uh, that's all I would have to contribute to that. And we could go in there, but that would make a difference. Yes. Well, it would. And, and look, there, that experiment's been done. So back when desegregation took place, right, mm -hmm. they had a real serious problem because there was so much, so many stereotypes, right, in these white communities yep. yes. in busing in kids of, of color, right, mm -hmm. black kids or brown kids or whatever it was going to be. And they hired and I don't think many people know this, but Dr. Aronson, I'm, I'm blocking his first name right now. He was a sociologist. And they said, look, we got a serious problem here. We're going to be putting these groups together that have never, that have never mixed. And what do we do? They're so polarized in that there's such a concern about the violence that's going to follow. Right. What can we do to start to help them blend better right start to get to know each other and so what he did was exactly what you said tom is he said so so the thing you need to do is you need to to focus the classroom activities on small group projects and the criteria for forming a group is that you're with someone that you wouldn't be in the group with normally mm -hmm. so the teacher had to compose all these groups and then what they did is they worked on things together. And as they worked on things together and they were non-controversial things, like we're going to build a log cabin or, or yeah. whatever it was going to be. And what started to happen was they saw that, you know what? This other kid's a lot more like me than, than I've ever imagined yeah. it to be. Right. And it started to create this incredible experience of going beyond stereotypes from just hanging out together in a group with a common project in mind. Right. We're going to talk about this. We're going to focus on this. We're going to do this for this particular activity or whatever it was going to be. And, and it was in the effect of that was phenomenal. You know, the amount of fear that there was generated at yeah. first about putting these groups together and the kind of violence that was going to take place, not saying that there wasn't and not saying some kids didn't get bullied and stuff like that. I that's yeah. that happened, too. And I'm not wanting to minimize the pain that anybody had over that stuff. But that's an interesting I, I had another thought I wanted to share with you guys. Is it possible that what we do when we take a particular political position on what's right or wrong 
is that it's largely influenced by trying to reverse something from our past. You know, in Gestalt psychology, what we say is that we are very actively involved all the time in organizing our perception and giving meaning to the experience we have. It just doesn't happen, right? We are constantly, you know, giving meaning to whatever is happening at any particular moment in our life. And that meaning is influenced by like so many different things, right? But mostly influenced by your emerging needs at the time. Hmm. So for example, if somebody was disempowered, they're going to move towards some kind of an organization or political position that would give them what? Power, Power. right? Mm -hmm. That they are going to get, you know, look towards something like that. That may be one way to get to what we're looking for, right? In terms of trying to understand in a very deep way, some of these differences that we have in terms of how come we identify with this and how come we move in that direction or not is that we're all trying, like for me, one of the things I love about the Democratic Party when it's operating, in, in my opinion, in a great way, is that it's responsive to the needs of, of most of the people, mm-hmm. is that it's really listening or trying to listen to. And that's been the big criticism of when the, the Democratic Party doesn't do well, is it loses touch with people, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, so much been, to, in my opinion, you know, the People's Party, mm-hmm. you know, is the way that we've thought about it. But that in, you know, because of my experience growing up is, you know, not being able to be anybody listening to me when I had pain over my dad's death and all of those different experiences, that seemed so appealing to me, right? Right. That, that, That was moving me in such a great way. But it's a very interesting way to look at this stuff, you know? It, it's almost like political psychology, right? No, it's good. But, what I wrote down was pol- political views, uh, understanding political views uh, with from the point of view of an origin story from the from your personal history. Right. It's like it's like it's like uh, uh, no, it, it makes a lot. And we wouldn't, and we have to be careful not to make assumptions because we'd say two people can have the exact same experience, and, and they could they can end up two different things. But again, this goes back to values. It's like, okay, what's the common value they have? This right. one turned out to be this, 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 this uh, very right wing person, this very left wing person. It's like, but they, but they, they had a similar story and they, and they're, and they both lost, they all both experienced a loss of control. And this is what they believe is going to, to because you know, that some of it is, some of that's there. I mean, it's like, we're not, you know, it's like we'd, we'd, we'd lose a lot of people if we tried to tell them that's where all our political views come from. But it's, it's like, like, we, you know, we, we don't ever stop being ourselves. So that's, yeah. Right. And, and adding to that, uh, the conversation about, you know, how do we do this beside listening and in extra communication and, mm-hmm. you know, examining our taking our own inventory mm-hmm. is also getting out of our own comfort zone. So mm-hmm. going someplace, being with people we don't ordinarily mix with yeah, and listening and then listening for the common. What's the common thread here? What do I have in common? Humanity, of course. Mm-hmm. with these people, these people, the people. And so I just think small steps like that can help in yep. the healing and in the understanding of where doesn't mean again, everybody's going to agree, but there could be a little more compassionate view of, you know, what's happened here. Yeah. And at the very least it turns the heat down, you know, I mean, not otherizing people with different opinions. 
Exactly. And getting a sense of the intent behind it, you know, right. I think um, might, you know, have some long-term uh, constructive uh, outcomes, you know, that we don't foresee yet, but might help. Yeah, that's good. That, Patrick, intent, intent is really an important word there. Positive intention. And we, we, again, one of my favorite things to do is to connect this to all the stuff we do intrapersonally and in the same dynamics out here. It's like, even, you know, even if I look at my, my asshole should monster that, that, that told me to be a, you know, never try something because I was going to be a failure no matter what. You know, I discovered along the way a positive intent. You know, he was protective. It's like, you know, he, this is this is a part of me who didn't believe in me and believe here's how you save yourself from 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 being harmed and from being devastated. You know, you're never going to be run over by a bus if you stay out of the fucking street. Yeah. You know, don't ever go there. It's like, you know, lay down. You know, it's like so I would lay down on the ground to demonstrate this and just lay on the floor and just say from here, I don't have very far to fall. It's like, you know, that's that's what that should monster was doing. His intent was right. You know, don't risk it, Tom. It's like, so we do need to listen for that. And one of the things I, that I want all of us to think about is coming out of this conversation today, too, is I think I'm trying to think because I'm thinking practically, how do we do this? It's like, I think we have to find ways to model it. Yeah. Right. So especially especially if it's about doing things like this, where we're having conversations. So some way, some way that people can hear conversations that they can identify with. And uh, even if it's inter interview, maybe interviewing people from, uh, this is an idea I had a long time ago about politics is, you know, facilitating interviews between very directly opposing people uh, and have them come together with some stuff like that. But, but we need to, you have to show people how to do this. Right. And by, de by definition, at this extreme, we don't even know how to do it. Exactly. We, we, we have ideas about it, but, and, and, but, but it's like, we need to figure it out and, and experiment and yeah. And, and, you know, uh, one of the things that I, that we would always say to families and that I always say to clients is relationships, no matter what they are, personal relationships, general, whatever, are about skill, not goodwill. Everybody has goodwill. Oh, that's perfect. That's good. But they don't yeah. necessarily have the skill. Yes. And then sometimes even the quietness of somebody who doesn't have the words. Silence is also a language mm -hmm. and it's not bad. You know, it's not something. Well, I say I, it all the time, right? You know, yeah. no such thing as no communication. We're right. communicating right. all the time. And sometimes silence is saying a lot. It is. Mm -hmm. it is. Right. God, I love that skill, <laughs> skill, not goodwill. <laughs> This has been great, Mary. It's been it's so great to, to still stay connected with you through all of this and keep these dialogues going. And I just, it's one of one of the things that I'm grateful for 2020 because I've gotten to know both of you, you know, so well. And it's and you too, Patrick. It's like it's like I mean this 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 whole this whole world we're in right now would not exist without all this happened. So I'm I am well, grateful. If we had a normal year last year, Tom, none of this would have mm -hmm. gone down. We wouldn't have started the, 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 you know, coping with COVID, those 12 videos, mm -hmm. and yeah. what started the thing. And then mm -hmm. while that was going on, I decided to start that Thursday night meeting and you, mm -hmm. and you became yeah, just, important part of that. Mm -hmm. One thing led to another. Yeah. Yeah. We started and we invited Patrick in to help us record the thing. Because <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> Patrick, you know, he's a youngin and he's into all of this technology. Yeah. And, 
and he's just been godsend in terms of helping us achieve our mission, which, yeah. you know, a shout goes out to you and thank you for all the hard work, Patrick, that you put into this thing. And, and just, you know, right. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I, I was sitting there reflecting the other day is that as much as I've lost, I've probably gained more this yeah. last year. Yeah. You know, it's one of those amazing things by just showing up and looking at what's available and then appreciating what is, is that we've been able to build this. We've been able to, God, you know, I, I finished that book with Dan that I've been mm -hmm. trying to get finished forever and then wrote another whole book during COVID. Mm -hmm. I've mean, wow. never written another book that fast in my whole mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. Well, it's full circle. We, we, we started early in early in the podcast. I think we talked about positive opportunism, you know, which is something I started t talking about and writing about right after the nine 11 thing, which is living by the, by the question, how can I use this horrible situation to become a better person? That's right. You know, and, and, and building community is such a part of all of this. And that's what we're talking about. And, you know, you hear it like we've gotten as many as 150 people on that Thursday night meeting now. So. I, know. I know it. I see it. You know, and you hear people talk about, my goodness, this is what I've been look, waiting for in my recovery. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. loving this. This has added such a breath of fresh air for. It's so, really cool. You know, and we've we've all created that, you guys. Yeah. You guys have had a hand in that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Sure. Thanks for coming on, Mary. You're quite welcome. We will, we'll have you back soon, I hope. Of course we will. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Patrick. Mm -hmm. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.